Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. As Christian moms, we know that it is our responsibility to train up our children in the way they should go, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. But what responsibility it is that we carry and what a burden it is to carry that responsibility in these times when there are so many untruths being thrown at us right and left and that our children are encountering all over the place. And as Christian moms who carry that responsibility as something of high importance that we place at the highest priority in our lives to be training and teaching our children in truth, yet it can be so difficult. So I am so excited to bring someone with you today with a resource that is really going to encourage you and equip you to be training your children in truth. And so Hillary Morgan Ferrer is here with me today. She has been married for 15 years and is the author of the book, Mama Bear Apologetics, and has really begun this, I see it as a movement, a Mm -hmm. movement for moms at this time that it can feel overwhelming to me at times when it just seems bombarding all, everything that's coming in from all places of lies that are attacking our children. And I want to be equipped, but it can almost feel like too much. And I loved when Hillary and I were talking just before we started this, that she has been able as a researcher to take the time and take the energy and the writing skills that God has given her and that she has honed to create this resource in this book, Mama Bear Apologetics, for moms to be able to have as a way that we can understand how to communicate well these truths that we really need to be able to understand and that our children need to be equipped for the world that they're going to be going into. So you can find her on Instagram at mama bear apologetics. And I know you're going to love hearing from her today. And if you think I want more of this, I want more of this training, um, be waiting because there's going to be another follow-up podcast that we're going to do about her second book as well. But if you just can't wait, go check out her podcast also. It's Mama Mama Bear Apologetics podcast, and it's going to just dig deeper beyond what we're even able to do today. So Hillary, thank you so much for being here. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, this is going to be great. So um, I have loved going through this book. Uh, it's an excellent book to go through with friends. It would be a great read on your own as well, but an excellent one to go through with other moms and to realize other moms want to be equipped in this as well. But I was, um, I thought it was interesting when I started this book that not everyone was even familiar with the word apologetics. Mm-hmm. So let's just start there at the very basics, defining of terms, right? <laughs> what, <Yes. laughs> what is, what is apologetics? Yeah. So a lot of times when people hear the word apologetics, their first question is, well, what am I apologizing for? I'm not going to apologize for being a Christian. And I can understand that because that's the connotation that we have in our language. But in the Greek, um, it's from the root word apologia. And uh, so you actually had apologists back in, you know, like the first and second century uh, that were the lawyers. The lawyers were called apologists, meaning that they were to present a case and give reasons for why their position was the true position. 
Um, and I would say that we have apologists for everything in our society. If you if you have a son, I'm sure he is an apologist for a specific athlete or a specific sports team on why they are the absolute best. Uh, if you're anything like my husband, he's got, he's got an apologetic for why certain bands are objectively superior to other bands. Uh, if you talk to my mom for more than five minutes, she will start talking to you about the Instapot. Um, she is an absolute <laughs> apologist for the Instapot. She has all the reasons why this is the greatest invention of mankind. Uh, so we have to remember that we're all apologists for something, and it's going to always be something that we really firmly believe in. And when we really, truly believe that something is true, we are going to try to convince other people to see the reasons why we believe it's true. We're not just going to say, I need you to have blind faith that Instapod is great. No, I'm going to give you all the reasons for why the Instapod is amazing. Uh, and we are to do the same thing with Christianity. We don't say, well, just believe it because, you know, this book says it. We say, hey, there's really good reasons for believing this to be true. Not only are there evidential reasons to support that Jesus was who he said he was and did what he said he did, but there's also just um, cultural reasons for seeing why the Christian worldview actually lends a sense of coherence and um, yeah, it really is, in my opinion, uh, makes the best sense of reality based on the worldview of the Christian worldview. And I think we can say it's true and beautiful and good and should be trusted. And there are reasons for that. Mm hmm. Well, and I think we're also responsible to be able to give an answer for what we believe. I think about mm -hmm. that passage in first Peter 315 that says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I love the mm -hmm. end of it, but do this with gentleness and respect. And yep. doesn't that just, doesn't that just set the Christian apart from the rest of the world too, because the world Absolutely. does it with such animosity and intensity mm -hmm. and hate and as gentleness and respect, but still being prepared. It doesn't let us off the hook. It actually yeah. challenges us further to be able to do it well. Mm -hmm. So what, what led you to writing this book for moms in the first place? Um, so everybody asks, you know, how do I get a book deal? And I say, by the way that we went about it is not the way that people normally go about it. <laughs> um, we started Mama Bear Apologetics. And um, within a year, we had a publisher contacting us, asking us to write a book. Wow. And so um, I wanted to look to see what books were out there. One of my uh, favorite apologists for parents is Natasha Crane who has a series of books of just, uh, you know, quick questions and answers, you know, like this, you know, main question a kid might have, and then like a two or three page answer to, um, for that. And so I thought her resources were wonderful and I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. So what I did is I actually made a list of all the questions that she had had in, in her books. And I tried to say, what are the worldviews that are causing these questions? So these mm -hmm. questions from kids are not coming out of nowhere. They are coming out of some sort of, um, uh, incoherence between what they see in reality and what they've been taught to believe. Uh, and so they're trying to make sense of the world. And so that's why they're asking these questions. So we really went through and I, I kind of charted those out and said, okay, these questions right here, these all have to do with this belief in naturalism, this idea that mm -hmm. science is the only way to have knowledge. And these questions over here deal with the subject of truth and whether objective truth exists. And so, wow, that's postmodernism. Let's, let's deal with postmodernism where, where it is. So what we, uh, what, what I wanted to do is in, uh, get underneath all the questions. And basically there's always going to be a worldview that's informing what you believe. 
and how you interpret reality. And if we can get that worldview, if we can understand that first, then it's not going to be as difficult to maintain that Christian worldview. Uh, but we really need to understand what where the world has gone wrong in some of these worldviews we deal with, um, you know, naturalism, postmodernism, hyper-skepticism, uh, progressive Christianity, new spirituality, feminism, Marxism, pluralism, uh, moral relativism, and then my my favorite, you know, not favorite, like, yay, I love this, but favorite as in, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is so and this is so damaging. Emotionalism, how we have just been trained to think that what I feel points to truth always. Yes. And that's um, new that it's interesting. Yes. I talked my podcast that I, rec- so I'm recording this right now in the middle of July. It won't air right now, obviously, but mm-hmm. the podcast that's out this week that I'm recording it, that I did, it was episode 95. I recorded with my grandmother, which was so special mm-hmm. because she's in oh, Texas. That would be cool. She's 93. So we recorded at a time that my mom was there. So my mom could help oh. with the technology for her. And she is, oh, it was wonderful. Um, And that was the podcast topic was living by truth over feelings. And Mm -hmm. we went through all these areas of our life. What is the truth that's foundational to how we live in our marriage, to what Mm -hmm. we believe about children, to how, what we believe about serving in the church. And she had biblical foundational truth for what she believed and how she lived in all these areas of her life. And I just think my generation, it's how we feel. It's Mm -hmm. what, how the wind blows. And it was so good. I'm like, this is Titus. This is how we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be gleaning, gleaning from the wisdom. So I'll link that episode down below too, because you're right. The moms now say, well, I feel like, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Mm. Well, uh, yeah. I, so we, we go through all of those to say, how are these beliefs undermining kids' ability to have faith? And how is it confusing the Christian message to, uh, to yes. begin with? And so we kind of start at ground zero and try to build that Christian worldview by addressing some of the misconceptions. Because some of the hardest work to do is when you have to help someone unlearn something that they've already learned. Uh, and in order to do that, you have to understand what this worldview is and what this belief is, this ideology. So that's what we really intended to do with the first book. That's great. And I really liked at the beginning of it, how you explained about this mass exodus that's happening from the church that uh, I look back when I think about my high school youth group, you know, I grew up in the church Mm -hmm. and I think about how many of them who I know who now live kind of their own lives, doing their own thing, who have left the church. And maybe Mm -hmm. they would say they're still believers or maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. I'm not in you know, close relationship with all of these people, but realizing that this apologetics teaching needs to start in the home and Mm -hmm. really is as the parent, you are the front line offense and defense that you need to be preparing your children and protecting them from the lies that they will be encountering. But that requires you being prepared as well. And I love that you make it so understandable in this book that all of these isms, you know, Mm -hmm. that you went through, could feel very overwhelming, but it doesn't feel overwhelming in the way, in the way that you explain it. Um, so what, and what would you recommend? So if there's a mom, cause I'm sure that's most moms listening who don't have theological backgrounds and maybe would say this kind of feels like a lot, what, what's your encouragement to her for even starting this journey? 
So just kind of based on the reactions that I've gotten and looking at the reviews and looking at what people say, because I'm like a a total stalker whenever someone (laughs) tags Mama Bear, I'm like, what are they saying? Okay, what are the comments on there? Because I want to hear what people are saying. Even the ones who feel like there's a lot of information here, the it's still like we went round. Uh, I'm just going to go back a second. We went round and round and round forever on the subtitle of this book until we finally came up with um, empowering your kids to challenge cultural lives. And I just want to say the word empowering is almost like this. Um, it, it's, it's almost like the word that's been spoken over this book and what I've seen happen. So going back to what we were talking about, the ones that maybe don't feel like they have as much of a theological background, um, when they read it, I, for the most part, they have not felt overwhelmed. They felt excited and they said, well, I just need to read this again. They, they know that they can get it. They know that they can understand mm-hmm. it because they're catching glimpses of it. They just know that they need to read it multiple times. And that's okay. Because it's like, if, if you read something, you're like, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to understand it. You're, you're not going to read it again. But if you read it and you say, yes, no, that makes sense. I just need to look at it again. And I think this is why so many women are forming groups so that they can talk through this. Uh, which is why we created the, you know, the discussion questions at the end and the study guide, which is, you know, good for on your own, but really good to do w- within a group. Um, so I would say that I, the only time I've seen someone feel overwhelmed, and this is just one comment I've gotten, is from a mom who uh, said, um, I, I feel like I did everything wrong and now I don't know how to backtrack. And and I, I think, um, and she's like, I know that this should, I think the enemy just snuck in there. And instead of making her say, oh, okay, I understand this now. I can go back. Uh, that voice of condemnation just came and just overwhelmed mm-hmm. her. So um, that's the only time that I've seen someone um, really not feel kind of empowered and excited. And like, I can do this over, over this content for, for the most part, I think, um, I mean, we, we've had, we've had kids reading it. We've had college and we've had parents uh, pay their college students to read this and, and the kids, <laughs> especially like the Marxism chapter, they're like, this is everything my friends are saying right now. Wow. Um, wow. So I think the, yeah, um, this one I don't think as much needs as the theological training. We go into more of the theology in book two, especially in the worldview chapter. But I, I don't know if this is just because the law of God is written on my heart. I feel like a lot of this stuff is common sense that when you think yeah. through it critically, it just makes sense. And so, um, the more you read the Bible, I think the more a lot of this will start to make sense in light of a biblical worldview. But if you don't have a biblical worldview to start with, when you read this and you start reading the Bible, you're going to start seeing, oh, that's where that came from. Oh, that's where that came from. Um, yeah. So I would just say go for it and grab a, gr- uh, grab a group of friends and do it together because likely somebody there has some sort of theological training or has studied the Bible for a while. Yes. And why why would you say that pastors can't just do these things. Like why can my, I mean, my, my oldest is at junior high camp right now. Why mm-hmm. is that not enough? Because I think a lot of parents think, well, you know, I'll give my kids these basic foundation things and then church can do those things. They've got their youth pastor. Why is that not enough? Oh golly. This is like the mindset of the industrial <laughs> revolution that we can outsource everything. Um, and but so don't I we, we outsource our children for everything. We do. And I think that's a problem uh, yeah. that uh, in within the home, that's where they should be getting this on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's great to do youth apologetics. I think we absolutely need our pastors. We absolutely need our youth pastors. But I think we all need to be on the same page. 
and reinforcing these uh, these truths. Because if you look at the number of hours that youth are spending on the internet per day, sometimes it's like up to eight hours a day. And we think that, you know, so like an, an hour on Sunday and an hour on Wednesday, oh, they'll, they'll be good. It's like the, the second book, I have a phrase in there that's taken from um, this David uh, Kahneman book called Thinking Fast and Slow, but he has a phrase in there that the the human brain has a hard time understanding the difference between what is familiar and what is true, which means that whatever you are kind of meditating on, whatever is you're encountering the most is going to sound true eventually, no matter how nonsense it is. You hear it enough and it, and it suddenly becomes this truism that you don't mm-hmm. question. Uh, and so that's where we need pastors and parents and youth pastors, everybody on the same page, reiterating the same truths ad nauseum. Like, so in the second book, I have uh, this afterward that's uh, titled things to repeat to your kids until they want to gag. Um, this idea that we <laughs> have to be repeating truth so often that your kids are like, I know, I know. And when yes. they start rolling their eyes, that's when, you know, Hey, it's sinking in. Good job, mom. <laughs> that's great. I mean, I think it's really, it's, it's absolutely true too. I think you're right. And and that's also why we have to be so guarded of even where we're at church and what our children are yes. getting that mm. all churches are not, <laughs> all churches are not made equal. Um, and especially the idea of these, you know, young hip youth pastors that your kids have really being on guard of what are they being taught? And yeah. um, most churches, I would say many churches even have online sermons available from the youth pastors. Now, once COVID happened and all of that went on. So go listen, listen to what your kids are being taught and really talk with them about it. Because maybe, maybe the truth that you're teaching at home is truth and is based on a solid truth. But if they're getting some woke teaching from their youth pastor, or maybe it's their small group leader that, yeah. that the little bits of the little bits of tidbits of information that they're putting in them are not in line with the truth of God's word and a biblical, again, going back to a biblical worldview, it's not reinforcing mm-hmm. the biblical worldview that you're working so hard for so many hours of your week to infor- reinforce in your child. And then there's this small group leader who's teaching them whatever they're teaching them, get them out of there. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. It's not yeah. worth it. Even if it means shaking up your whole family's church experiences and church comfort to get your children in a place where they're being taught truth, you will never regret protecting them from that. I agree. I agree. And one of the things that I wish more churches would go back to, um, I grew up uh, with very, very expository preaching. So expository preaching is like going verse by verse Mm -hmm. and explaining what scripture says. This idea of just doing these topical things where you kind of have this verse as a jumping off point for almost like a Uh, what's the word, like a motivational speech on something that's loosely associated with that. Um, I would say prioritize a church that is teaching the word that's going through and that is reading it, that's explaining it, that's making Mm -hmm. like there's certain passages in scripture where I cannot read them without hearing my pastor's voice because he said it so many times. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've been to churches where I'm like, I'm not even quite sure what passage they taught on. I mean, that was a cool story at the beginning Mm -hmm. and it was fun to listen to, but I don't know what in the Bible we just learned. Um, Mm -hmm. Just being paying attention to what is coming from the pulpit and also being paying attention to what's going on in the youth program, because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, uh, we'll say Sunday school curriculum 
that are centered around basically making good little good moral little people mm, with mm. is basically secular humanism with you know verses attached which is not life changing uh recently i've been going through some devotionals just because i was uh, needing to read it for research for something else and it occurred to me there's a lot of people who have never read a book of the bible from beginning to end they've done all these mm. devotionals their whole life with this one verse and then someone talking about their feelings about that verse, and then maybe praying about their feelings about that verse, and then a place to write about your feelings about how you feel about that verse. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, it's like there's certain verses that'll never make it into these wonderful devotionals, like basically anything from Romans 1. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so uh, prioritizing places that are teaching the word. Absolutely. And that they even need the word. That I have yes. been so thankful that we were getting ready for church on Sunday and we, my sweet 12 year old was running all over looking for his Bible. It's like, I know it's, oh. I thought it was in my room, but now I can't find it in my room. And maybe I left it in the car because I was reading my Bible on that Bible app this week and it ended up being under the front seat of the car, but he knew he would need it. And yeah. I thought we're not just bringing that makes this as an my heart so happy to think of him like all stressed out because he can't find his Bible. That's when you're like sitting there going, I'm a successful mom. <laughs> yes, we will be late, but it's because we're worried about finding our Bible. That's, That's the most right. important thing. <laughs> That's the best reason to be late because he needed to have his Bible at church. Absolutely. That's yeah. the best reason to be late. Mm-hmm. Yes. So let's talk about actually putting this into practice in daily life mm-hmm. as a mom. So Yes, we know this is important. Yes, everyone's going to get your book because they all should have it um, <laughs> and and train themselves with it. So now how do we actually put this into daily life with our children? So let's kind of break this up into two categories. Let's talk younger children first, like mm-hmm. early elementary, preschool age children, because you're, you're not too young then moms. When your children are little, yeah. I think about that passage that says from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We begin Mm -hmm. speaking these truths when our children are young, like Hillary said, until they're rolling their eyes. So you've got a lot of years, you know, they don't roll their eyes. Um, I'm in those years now. I see those eyes. Uh, (laughs) And then we'll talk about that, like pre-adolescent age and adolescence. Mm -hmm. So let's just, let's start with the young ones first. Yeah. With the young ones, I would say that, you know, this goes back to this idea that people a lot of times accuse Christians of indoctrinating. And I just got to say, basically from certain ages, from like birth to like eight, it's all indoctrination. They don't understand why for anything. They're sponges. They just absorb whatever they're given. Um, And so I think it's important that while they are sponges, we are filling them with as much truth, with as much scripture and really teaching them not just what, uh, not just, um, oh golly, how how does Amy say this? Amy has a, a, not just teaching from a biblical worldview, but teaching them what a biblical worldview is. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times I think we assume that they know what a biblical worldview is. And we give them these little snippets here and there that they're supposed to put those puzzle pieces together, but we're not helping them put that puzzle together to see how see how this belief affects this belief, which affects this belief. And this is a, a stream of, of logic here that we can, that explains reality. And so it's like, we, we are to be filling them with the truth from the word. We are to be modeling to them a, a couple of different things. Number one, prayer, um, modeling prayer with them, helping them learn to pray on their own, modeling repentance. When, when 
kids have a hard time distinguishing like for for some reason kids will even even adults they project their view of their parents onto god Mm -hmm. and so if a parent does something that's not god honoring that belief can actually get stuck in a child that was to god is and so when we as parents actively apologize and repent when we have done something that does not reflect who god is we can start helping them see the difference between flawed human beings and who God is. That way they're not tempted that when flawed human beings let them down in the future to then project that onto God has let me down. Uh, mm-hmm. So practicing repentance in front of them, uh, scripture reading, uh, and it doesn't even have to be long, just um, conversations over dinner. I think dinnertime conversations are one of the most important things that a family can have. Um, and especially as you're trying to organize all these schedules with littles, it's kind of good because they don't have these like crazy schedules, you know, with Mm -hmm. 10 different, you know, sports teams and stuff like that. Um, conversations to and from movies, pick a real kids don't know how long it takes to get somewhere. They just know mom and dad know how to get from point A to point B. If you have a a teaching opportunity from a movie, if you've seen, go ahead and drive in circles, they won't notice Um, (laughs) and talk about it in the car. You have a Mm -hmm. captive audience there. And teach them to always be going through what I call the chew and spit method, where uh, recognizing that there's always going to be some truth in what you see, and there's always going to be some falsehood. And so I have this little um, hand thing that I do for parents that, uh, so I know that we're, we're listening to it here, but if you uh, kind of put your hands together, like, uh, and, and lace your fingers and say, basically everything is going to be a mixture of truth and lies because the most potent lies are wrapped in partial truths. And so what we want to do, and this is where you separate your hands, unlock your fingers, is we want to separate the truth from the lies Mm. and then put the truth here in your heart, accept the truth and reject the lies. And so Mm. teaching them how to go through this process with everything where they're looking for the good, but then they're looking for maybe where some untruths have snuck in. And I think kids very young can start understanding this. Um, in fact, I had a mama bear once say that she's in the movie theater and she's like, oh, it's so embarrassing because her daughter will be watching and just scream out in the middle, bad worldview. And um, <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, I would, if I was in that movie theater, I would turn around and like, just Stand like, you know, give a fist <laughs> pump to the mom be like, I like you. Um, so yeah, these are some of the, just the practical mm-hmm. things we can do for our littles. Um, and then as yeah. they get older, we need to be teaching them. Uh, I know this sounds weird. We need to be teaching them logical fallacies because right now logical fallacies are being used as means of knowledge. So like, for example, a logical fallacy would be um, a hasty generalization where just because something happens in a couple of instances, now we can say this is true for everything. Well, now let's look at how society is saying the way we come to truth. Well, it's through lived experience. So these couple of people have this lived experience and they have this inside track to truth. Therefore, this is what's true. They're using a literal uh, logical fallacy as a means of finding truth. And so um, a friend of mine, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, has a curriculum for young kids on critical thinking and learning how to spot these logical fallacies. Um, But also just being able to distinguish between things that that are true and almost true. And, uh, you know, when you and I were growing up, we couldn't put TV on pause. That was like you either mm-hmm. you were either made it in home in time to watch your show or you missed it forever. Um, but now that you can put stuff on pause, do it. If you see mm-hmm. something that's like a red flag, my mom used to put movies on pause if she saw a guy do something kind of shady and she'd be like, see that, Hillary, that's a red flag. <laughs> um, 
And like, so Amy, one of, one of our other mama bears, her kids actually will put stuff on pause and call her in from the other room and be like, Hey mom, watch this. And then they'll play it. And they'll be like, did you see that? Did you see it? Did you catch it? Um, Mm. They enjoy being able to spot these things, these buzzwords. Like we go through something called linguistic theft in in the first book, these buzzwords where people are making something sound like one thing, but they're actually meaning something else. Um, So this is one of my son's, one of my son's favorites. So he's 12 right now. And he is Uh a very, very critical thinker and loves looking at things to find the problems in them. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and he, his favorite one is to catch like, did you hear it? Redefining of terms, mom. Um, when, when we hear it places and it's so great because he'll point it out when we see it written, you know, maybe written in some like magazine at a store or something like that. Did you see that? The redefining of terms, but they love it. And it's like empowering them to Uh be on guard, which is biblical too. We're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. I think about that verse going to first Peter again, first Peter five, eight, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for those to seeking out those to devour. And Mm -hmm. he is looking for our children. So we need to be alert and training our children in these ways is teaching them alertness. And that's biblical. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think kids, like when they start catching on to it, it becomes fun for them. Now, of course, we need to be able to uh, remind them. Okay. So like I had this one parent that says that, you know, every time her daughter can spot a lie, she gets 50 cents, but now Uh she's like doing it over and over again. I was like, okay, maybe we need to go to step two which is you figure out what partial truth this lie is wrapped mm. in. Because if we don't recognize the partial truths that are there, that could be something like the, the, the motives or recognizing a problem, but they just have a really bad solution or, um, you know, lots of different things. What is the partial truth that we need to affirm? Because unless they can do that, they become, I, I jokingly call it the food critics of society, just oh, going yeah. out and pointing totally. out everything that's wrong with the world. Nobody wants to hang out with that person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I they lost the gentleness and respect. Yes, they lost the gentleness and the respect. And so and they, they lost the ability to actually have a conversation with someone that they disagree mm-hmm. with because all they can point out are the things that are wrong. Um, so we need to be teaching them, OK, what are the things that we can affirm first? OK, now let's see what, the, what things have snuck in. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And you are right. They do need to be trained. And some of that, some of the training with olders, I mean, also with youngers, when we start when they're little, and if your mm-hmm. children are already older, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But when we start when they're little with putting God's word in their heart, ta- teaching mm-hmm. them, teaching them theology, teaching them yes. a biblical worldview intentionally, who is God? What, who is Jesus? What is the Bible? Why is the Bible true? When we're teaching these specific truths from an early age and actually mm-hmm. reading God's word, not just reading Yep. good books and good story mm-hmm. books, but actually reading God's word with children um, from an early age, then as they get older, it's natural and it yes. just grows naturally. And it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's this thing because it's naturally progressed to this higher level of thinking and reasoning. Um, yeah. And it does take time. So I would encourage you, I think about many families who I knew who they, you know, only had really the only time they had with their children was dinner time during the mm-hmm. week. If they had it, um, those are a lot of the families that their kids walked away from the faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, being, being totally honest and it's sad. 
Um, and it wasn't all of them though. I was thinking the other day, there was a family at our church who had four children. Their children were all in school. They were very intentionally invested parents. And again, school was different then than it is now. (laughs) Very different. The things that were being taught in school are not the same then as they are now. Yeah. But even then, even back in, you know, the nineties, Mm-hmm. They had to intentionally guard their time to give themselves the time to parent their children because all yes. of this training does take time. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It doesn't just happen on the weekends. It doesn't just happen during, you know, an evening devotion, unless you say, you know what, if I'm not with my children for this whole part of the day, we are not doing evening activities. And that's how this family was. They didn't do extra yes. sports. They didn't do extra stuff outside of their home a lot because they were with their children during the time that they were with their children. For us, we've said, we want to have our children at home. I want to train them here mm-hmm. in my house because I want them to have a biblical worldview going into not just their understanding of God's word. I want it to impact their understanding of how they write and mm-hmm. how they understand history from a biblical worldview. I mean, science, mm-hmm. how do you teach science and not see the creator? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's I don't know either. Uh, so if, if you are hearing all of this and thinking, yes, I want to make this happen. When in the world am I going to do this? Like being honest here for us, it happens at the breakfast table because that's Mm. when, that's when we're together. And it happens when we're, when we're reading history and we're talking through what used to be versus what is now it happens. Mm -hmm. It's that, it's like that Deuteronomy passage that says, talk about these things. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up and, um, if you're feeling challenged in your heart that, gosh, I wish I could do this more, I would encourage you. I don't talk homeschooling a lot on the podcast because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want it to be narrowed down only to homeschool moms, but I would challenge yeah. you if you're, if you're feeling convicted in this, go back and listen to some of my homeschool episodes. I'll put in the show notes what some of those episodes are, because I believe most moms could do it if they wanted to and believed they were being called to. Um, mm-hmm. So let's, let's close it up though. Talking about Hillary, if there's a mom who says, I feel like I missed the opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, my kids are too old or I haven't had enough time with them. Where do you recommend she begins as a place of hope? And just as saying, I'm going to, I'm going to join this movement. I'm going to train my children. Yeah. Well, again, like we said at the beginning, the first place to start is training yourself. It's Mm -hmm. like a, I had a friend of mine from Biola point out the, on the airplanes, they always say, if you're traveling with a young child, put your oxygen mask on first before you help anybody else. And that's mm-hmm. one of those things where you can't help someone if you if if it's not sure in your own mind first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say just train yourself and, and being able to answer objections for yourself. Because a lot of times people think of apologetics and they think of debating an atheist. But honestly, the role, the, the main role of apologetics is convincing your own heart. <laughs> Mm. That what you say is true, that you actually believe it's actually true and you have reasons for it. Um, so I would say just uh, getting to the point of where where you feel so sure and where you can talk about it. I think that's step one. Uh, but step two, especially if you have adult children, um, your relationship with adult children is very different than children who are in your home. And this is where I think the power of prayer comes mm. in, where you start just confessing to the Lord the areas maybe that you that you have missed out, the, the areas that uh, you weren't maybe weren't diligent enough or whatever it is, and just 
ask for that forgiveness and for that peace on that. And then just be asking the Lord for the opportunity to have these conversations with your adult children and knowing how to have them without getting triggered, without getting angry. Cause a lot of times parents, mm-hmm. say, I just want you to agree with me, you know, kind of, kind of attitude. Some of the best things you can do sometimes is to really understand what your children believe first before you they go to try and mm-hmm. refuting it, um, which is very different than what we're doing when our children are young, uh, mm-hmm. where we're kind of presenting alternate worldviews and we're helping them refute it at the same time. So um I would just say conversations, asking the Lord for, um, for peace, knowing that you can't go back and change the, uh, change the past. Um, and then doing what you can, not only to, uh, to understand where your children are coming from now, having those, having, you know, just kind of having gentle conversations with them, sometimes asking questions, but also remembering that your role is, as, um, a grandparent is going to be very, very important. And so a lot of times grandparents say, well, my, my kids don't want me talking about Jesus. Well, you know what the beautiful thing is, is you can preach Christ without preaching Christ because all truth is God's truth. And if you can start teaching them what true isms are that happen to match with scripture, you don't have to worry that you're going to say, oh, well, I'm teaching my kids or I'm teaching my grandkids scripture when their parents have specifically said not to. Um, you can teach what the Bible says without even having to reference the Bible, because if what the Bible says, it's true, it's true in all areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's kind of a, uh, what's the word that's, um, it's a skill that you have to cultivate uh-huh. very, very, <laughs> very delicately. But, yes, um, but if you're in that place, you have, you have the skill. And I, I would believe that, that moms also, you know, who may be feeling ill-equipped in this too, or feeling like, where do I even start? Um, just to wrap us up, I really want to encourage you with something from scripture. So I was thinking about first Thessalonians five 24 says he who calls you is faithful and also will do it. Yeah. And I believe God is so faithful and he will do it. He will equip you. He will give you the tools you need. I honestly cannot, rec- you know, I'm not one to recommend books. If I don't love them, I highly recommend you get a copy of this book. I'll put it in the show notes below. <laughs> And um, I'm just so glad to be able to introduce you to Hillary in this space and look forward to being together again for down the road a little bit for part two with her next book and know that you are going to be blessed by that as well. Hillary, thank you so much for being here. This is fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you next week, friends. You've got this mama bears. You can do this. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below, where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends.